Hello and welcome to Is Honesty the Best Policy with your hosts Hannah and Katie. We are using this platform to open up the conversation to the topics we are all thinking about but not discussing. We are here to let you know you are never alone. Each week we will delve into a different topic that we feel needs to be destigmatised. Whilst we might explore these topics deeply, these are our own personal experiences and opinions. We are not experts in any of these areas, so please seek professional advice if you need to. We hope you enjoy the pod and now it's time to explore if honesty is always the best policy. Smash it! Hello and welcome back to season two of Is Honesty the Best Policy. Today we have an interesting episode, something a bit different. So we're going to be talking to a physiotherapist about injury, but not just the physical side of it, but also the psychological side and how it impacts us suffering from injuries and that road to recovery. We're going to be exploring the effects of injuries on athletes, but also just anybody getting into sport or involved in sport and you know, how to approach injuries, how to recover from them or to even know if you've got an injury. So Mm. I think it'll be a really interesting conversation today and, you know, useful for ourselves, but also nice to open up that conversation and know that, you know, if you have an injury and it's really worrying you or you don't know what to do, that you're not alone. You know, we all feel like that and go through it. And Hannah and I will talk about our experiences today as well. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting episode. I completely agree because I mean, yeah, both Katie and myself have had our fair share of injuries. You know, they've been similar and different in so many ways. So we will, of course, bring that in. Um, But like Katie says, it's not just the injury aspect of it. We've also had to deal with a lot of the psychological sides to it. And it's never easy. I'd say that's the harder part, isn't it? The psychological over the physical. 100% and I think it will also be interesting to put this knowledge out there because injuries affect you know whether you're an athlete and this is what's something that you're putting a lot of your life into or you just love to exercise and that's your switch off from work and other things like it's almost it's as important both ways because you rely on it so much mentally and it's only when that's taken away from you that you realize the effect that does have Um, so we will be we will be talking to Rose who has just set up her own physio practice um along with a friend and it's called podium physiotherapy um so yeah we'll be hearing more from rose and she'll bring in her sort of expertise into this and katie and i will drop our experiences in there as well yeah so without further ado let's get on with the episode and invite rose on Hello, Rose, and welcome to Is Honesty the Best Policy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Would you just introduce yourself to our listeners and give them a little bit about you? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me on the pod. Um, So my name's Rose. I'm a muscle skeletal physiotherapist. So I work both in the NHS and more recently I've started doing a bit of private work as well. Um, Slightly different career path for me. So I actually started out studying medicine. Um, So I did three years of medicine got into my third year and I just wasn't really enjoying it and kind of knew it wasn't really for me. I had the option to basically go and intercalate and do a different degree for a year. So I went off, came back to London, did sport and exercise medicine for a year and I just knew that rehab is what I wanted to do. So doing that degree enabled me to then go on to do a master's in physio. Um, so stayed in London, did my master's um, and then qualified from physio back in 2016 now so a couple of years ago but yeah I've basically always had a really sporty background so I grew up as a runner so I did a lot of um, track and cross country when I was growing up Um, and then when I went to uni started doing a little bit more in the way of sort of road running sport has basically been a key part of my life for a long time had a lot of injuries growing up as well which probably kind of spurred on wanting to do a bit more in the way of rehab and yeah so now I do sort of middle distance running up to sort of half marathon and then do a couple of duathlons triathlons throughout the year just to mix it up a little bit as well. Nice I was going to ask if um, you'd sort of got into physio through having your own injury so it's interesting to hear that that has also um, led you towards that so when did you set up the private practice that you've got now and where do you sort of want to go with that? Yeah, so that was much more recently. So that's been in the last six months that I've gone more into private practice. So I'm really fortunate in the NHS that I've got 
an amazing group of people that I work with um, and I actually work with one of my really close friends who's sort of a sub-elite um, cyclist. So we decided to go into private practice together. So we opened Podium Physio probably about four months ago now. Um, so we still work in the NHS, but we both basically just wanted to give a bit more back to our sport. And we appreciate that physio, you kind of have those two divides. You've got the NHS, which is obviously free at the point of access but has a longer waiting list and then you've got private practice whereby it's unaffordable for a lot of people people just can't afford to pay those prices so in setting up the private physio clinic we wanted to make sure it's affordable physio um so we're much less expensive than some of the other private clinics but we also appreciate that as an athlete or as someone who exercises you've got work you've got home commitments so we just want to make it really flexible so that people there isn't that barrier for people to basically go and um to go and have some physio so we see people face to face but we also do a lot of virtual consultations and we found that that just works really really well for athletes because anyone who does any kind of physical activity knows their body quite well and they're quite intuitive so it's quite easy to jump on a call with people and do some virtual physio um, especially if they're not kind of needing that that hands-on treatment as well yeah that literally sounds like you've set up the ideal like listening to that like because I know throughout my like running career having so many different injuries I know trying to go through like the NHS thing but can be really difficult to get appointments or unless you're coming across someone like yourself they don't necessarily have the experience with you know elite athletes but then on the flip side sometimes when you're seeing a specialist it can be really really expensive and difficult to keep paying that amount so like hearing that is incredible that that is yeah just amazing and perfect for athletes to have and both yourself and the partner that you're working with seem very knowledgeable about elite sports so that's that's amazing to hear I think also offering the like virtual side is great as well to give people the option because I even remember there was a time where I have a physio now that I see in person but there was a time where I was like between places um so my physio wasn't where I was all the time and I'd be like sending her pictures like circling the area of me that I was like I can feel something here and it's like going down to there and she'd be like oh yeah I think this might be this I might be that and then it'd be helpful because then you could also like go and see them in person afterwards but it's helpful to have that no actually I haven't got the time to see somebody right now but I want to be able to talk to them and they can you know fortunately book an appointment with you if that if they're not able to come and see you but I yeah, think we were having a conversation about that Hannah weren't we the other day that you know when to go and see a physio because we know yeah. that you should if you've got a, an injury something's really hurting it's getting to the point where you can't run or play football whatever you do but yeah. if you're an elite athlete just trying to manage yourself day to day week to week and you know things are niggling and just want to stay on top of things that should you be speaking to a physio more regularly even if you're not injured just to make sure you kind of avoid that from happening um and then like hearing that you're doing like virtual meetings as well that actually that might be quite useful for people yeah it just means that people can tap in with their physios a little bit more easily um like even in private practice if you're having to see your physio face to face you're having to really reschedule your day or your week around going to that appointment whereas most people it's easy in the evening to kind of just jump on a call and kind of tap in that way instead I think this would be like a really good place to like dive in with a big question of when should people go and see their physio, whether you're an elite athlete or you're somebody who just, you know, exercises an important part of their day, when should they come and see you? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think more experienced athletes tend to be quite intuitive with their bodies and they know how their body is responding to their training um, and they can feel when a niggle is coming on. It doesn't necessarily mean that they'll always go to the physio because a lot of people don't want to be told you can't train yeah. <laughs> or you need to back off. But I think as more experienced athlete or someone who exercises, you know, hand on heart, you kind of know when you're building up a niggle and nip it in the bud. Because actually, with the majority of cases, if you go and get that seen to really quickly, rather than training on it for days or weeks, then actually you're going to rehab it from it much quicker because the inflammation mm-hmm. will settle and then you could just get back to your training. Whereas if you sit on that and keep training on that, that's when you're going to risk having that longer term injury that's actually going to take you out of training. As physios, 
it's not actually all that often that we'll tell you that you need to completely stop training. Yes, we might tell you you need to reduce your intensity or your volume just to let that area heal um, and the inflammation settle. But in the majority of cases, you can keep training and you might then do a little bit of cross training on the top of that. So I would say nip it in the bud. If you feel it, then reach out to a physio because actually you might find that you only just need one session. They'll identify what the issue is, what's caused it, you'll change it and then actually settled, sorted. Yeah, I think that's really important for people to hear because I know from past experience and other people I talk to, the minute you feel something, you do panic and then yep. think it's going to be like catastrophize it, think it's going to be a long term thing. You're going to be out for however long. And then I know some people then put it off going to physio and just keep get training on it, hoping that it will go away. And actually, by that point, have made it so much worse when it could yep. have been dealt with a lot quicker and a lot easier. What advice would you give to people sort of starting out in sport? Because I think as yeah, as elite athletes, you can be more aware of niggles and things that were happening and, and understand your training load and how you build it but I think for some people starting out in sport and starting exercise that you can get really carried away really excited by starting something new and what you're doing what advice would you give to people to make sure that those injuries don't happen like straight away because I know some people can start something and within a couple of weeks have have got an injury because they've done too much too soon kind of thing what what would you suggest yeah and normally it's not actually the activity that you're doing that's going to cause a problem but it's the intensity or the volume of that activity that you do so just be really mindful of that if you're new to exercising don't go out and be trying to smash all these interval sessions or be doing really heavy weights in the gym essentially quite often you want because also enjoyment is a massive factor. So you want it to feel a little bit too easy initially because then you feel confident to do more. Whereas if you're coming back from every run or bike or gym session you do and you're just feeling absolutely exhausted, A, how much enjoyment are you getting from that? Um, but B, it's going to take your body a lot longer to try and recover from those training sessions. So I think go out, enjoy it keep the volume low keep the intensity low and then you'll feel confident to build on that whereas if you just do too much intensity too much volume that's where you're going to come into those issues and I think for sustainability as well like keeping it going that if you're starting like that then and you know you're able to achieve those small goals and build up from there and avoid injury you're much more likely to keep it going than when we see people kind of joining the gym in January and then by February (laughs) it's kind of going yeah um so that's really useful information thank you and I think it's very easy for people to be like you know I've only got time to run three days this week so I'm just gonna smash them out I'm gonna Mm -hmm. and you speak to a lot of people who've just started running they're like oh yeah every run I do I just do as hard as possible and I think it's interesting hearing you say you know actually it's even something that we've had to learn over time but actually if you just pull back a little bit and you give it easier, you're going to be benefiting your body and also, like you say, your mind in the future when you're actually getting enjoyment from it. But going through that, because, you know, not everybody does have time to fit all these things in. They can maybe only run three days a week and maybe they can only fit in a very short run or a quick trip to the gym, like whatever it is. What top sort of five things would you say to people with very busy lifestyles that they should try and prioritize um in in order to avoid injuries so difficult isn't it because no yeah as you said no one lives that perfect life where you can you've got time to fit it all in um I think probably cliche but sleep (laughs) and with that I think don't compare yourself to other people everyone talks about these Mm -hmm. golden like eight nine hours sleep actually you might not need that much sleep um but go based on what you know your body needs. But I think you need to be getting adequate sleep. Don't be getting up at four o'clock in the morning to try and get a training session in before work because it's not sustainable. And yeah, yeah, it's just not enjoyable, is it? Nutrition, I guess, making sure you're fueling before, during and after, depending on the events that you're doing, but just essentially just making sure you're getting enough of the right things in on those days that you're training um, and the days around it. As we talked about there, you're training volumes and not doing too much too quickly don't be afraid to take a rest day rest days are really important and even elite athletes take a rest day so just take it when you need it from a physio point of view and probably the thing that everyone skimps out on is do your strength and conditioning there's very few athletes who can get away with not doing any strength and conditioning and if you prioritize time for it you're more likely to have your longevity in the sport that you're doing 
yeah it's made such a difference for me strength and conditioning in terms of my performance and injuries before like not doing it it definitely affected just the way I ran as well like you could you can see the difference in how I run now from doing strength and conditioning and I think listening to those five points that you've suggested is so valuable not just to elite athletes but to everybody and to actually hear it and give people the confidence to take that on because I think sometimes you kind of know what the right things are to do but Mm. actually hearing it from a professional makes you realize how important those things are because I think often people think of like oh I need to be stretching before a a run or activity or that kind of thing but actually they're they're not the important key things you want to be doing every day the importance of sleep and nutrition like you say is so so valuable so I think that'll be yeah really important for people to hear yeah and and I think do prioritize it but also yeah it's not the perfect world so if you miss one of them during the week if you don't get a very good night's sleep doesn't mean you can't train it's just be mindful to try and implement those things as best as you can yeah but I also think whilst we've covered like the topics of sleep and nutrition I think something that is unavoidable in everybody's lives is stress and a lot of us get it from other places like you don't know what's going to cause it it causes things from different people and it's not necessarily the stress you put on your body like training hard but the other emotional stress what do you sort of think is the impact of stress on injury and how can we try and minimize that if possible yeah it's a really good point and there's so much evidence to back the fact that if you're stressed both physiological like physical and mental stress it's going to have an impact and you're more likely to get injured your body can't tell the difference between psychological stress and physical stress so cortisol is your stress hormone so if you're stressed because you've got uh, psychological stress that's going on in your day-to-day life you're going to produce cortisol that's going to strike uh, spike but equally if you've done a really hard training session your cortisol levels are going to spike and your body can't differentiate between the two so you could be going out and doing loads of really easy training sessions but you've got a lot going on behind the doors with work with home life and if you've got those stresses that's still going to have a physical effect on your body and you're still going to be more prone to getting ill to getting injured And it's a difficult one because different people manage stress in different ways. And for a lot of us, exercise is actually a key way that we try to manage our stress, which means that then if you get injured and you can't exercise, that is really, really difficult. But I think it's just about tapping in and knowing how do you manage your stress? What's the most effective mechanism for you? But also recognising when you are stressed and what impact that might be having on your training. If you're having a really busy week at work and you're really stressed, just do easy running. Don't be coming home and doing some really hard sessions and just, yeah, just be kind to yourself in that respect. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's really important because it's the same as like, I guess if you feel pain, you know to stop or to reduce what you're doing. And it's the same with stress, like the impact it's having on your body that it actually it's really important to just ease back to avoid those injuries from happening. Yeah. So where's that like sort of catch 22 type thing? So if you you know, exercise is your method of relieving stress, but you are very stressed, I guess some people then wonder is it okay for them to go out and do a hard session if that's the thing that is going to relieve the stress for them? Does that make sense? So is it adding to it or is it taking away? Like, where is that balance? Yeah, and I think that's where you need to be your own expert and Mm. feel how your body responds to the exercise and the training that you're doing. Um, From a physio point of view, I would say still go out and train, but maybe just do an easy session. Don't go out and do a really hard uh, interval session because equally... If you go out and do a hard interval session, it doesn't go the way that you want it to go. You're potentially going to be a little bit more stressed and annoyed by the end of that. Um, Whereas if you go out for an easy session, there's no expectation on that. You're just going out, getting the miles in, and you're probably going to come back and feel a little bit better about it afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I know from experience, like when I've been really stressed and tired, like trying to then do hard sessions on top of it, it's never gone well. Like one, the session doesn't go well because you're so exhausted and stressed that you can't put everything into it. And then it just becomes kind of like a vicious cycle. And then, yeah, Yeah. training starts to take a dip. So I definitely resonate with that. (laughs) Um, In terms of distinguishing pain, um, I know like we spoke about how it's a little bit easier for elite athletes in like recognizing niggles and pain but sometimes it can be a bit challenging to know what is a kind of muscle soreness or pain or what a 
what is actually an injury and how to kind of distinguish that and, and what to do when you when you've uh, experienced pain yeah and pain is such a difficult one because there's so many things that will impact on your response and how you feel pain as physios we kind of have this rule when we get you to rate your pain out of 10 so 10 the worst pain imaginable zero is no pain at all Zero to four is this kind of green zone that we're happy for you to be in. So a bit of an awareness, bit of a niggle, but it settles fairly quickly once you've stopped exercising. That we don't mind you testing the waters with a little bit. If you then go and do another session and see how it feels, that's fine. If it continues, that's when you know that you need to go and see physio. If you're getting this pain that's kind that's basically four or above, that's kind of your amber zone as that's a warning sign. There's some level of inflammation going on there. Um, and A, you need to reduce the um, the load that's going through there. So whatever the stimulus is, it's irritating it. If it's running, then you need to back off that. But that's when I would say go and seek a professional opinion, because if you can nip that in the bud, quite often it's just a couple of days off the training that you're doing. The inflammation will settle and you'll get back. But if you keep training on that, that's when you're going to be at risk of sort of a longer term injury that's going to take you out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, no, I think it's helpful for people to know the sort of scale and like you say it is all individual somebody's for for some person might be different for for another person but it's understanding what your body needs and what your body's telling you and I think the more you run the more you exercise you can understand like okay that's the sort of soreness or that's the good pain like I'm working hard but also no you do just know in your gut that something's really not right and how do you think I guess this is more sort of psychological. How do you admit to yourself that something isn't right? Because a lot of the time it's hard to say to yourself, you know, it's not, but it's hard to say, look, I am injured. I just need to like, get, I need to stop running. I need to stop pushing it through. Like, how do you admit to that to yourself? It's really difficult, isn't it? And especially if your life is interrelated with your sport, like a lot of people who do sports are either part of a team or they've got a community around them who do a similar thing. And if I'm being honest, I think the one thing that stops people from admitting it and taking the time off is things like Strava, because people are going on those apps and seeing the training that other people are doing and thinking, oh, I need to keep up with that. And I actually, one of the first things I say to any athlete um, who's injured is come off training apps stop looking at Strava don't be going on training peaks potentially back off things like social media because if you're seeing other people training and doing the things that you want to do it's then harder for you Mm. to admit that you're injured um whereas ignorance is bliss isn't it like if you don't see what other people are doing and you just focus on what you're doing and getting yourself healthy and happy again then you're going to get back there quicker yeah, yeah, I think that's such an important message because actually when you, yeah, so say you take yourself out of your training and your, you know, rehabbing and cross training to get yourself back. If you're actually really happy that you achieved something new in the gym that now you're feeling stronger doing that or you had a really good session on the um, the bike, whatever it is, you'll feel really good about yourself. But then the minute you see on social media mm-hmm. or Strava, whatever you look at, that the people that you race against or compete against have done this training or this you you just feel flat again and you just like then dwell on how you're feeling that you're not running and whatever it or football whatever it is netball that you are competing in that it is that comparison that actually is what's making you feel so bad rather than focusing on your own Mm. journey and getting yourself back and I know from like both of our experiences that actually sometimes coming back from an injury you can come back even stronger so it's just focusing on that side yeah yeah and I did that actually, not my the injury I've just come back from, but about five years ago, I had um, an injury. And prior to that, I was on Strava a lot. But then coming back from it and throughout it, I came completely off it. And I mean, I haven't been on Strava since. I occasionally post like a race, but I don't post on it or use it. And I do find like that has been quite a positive thing. Like I know it's great for some people and some people they do love it and find it a very positive space. But I think for some of us, it doesn't necessarily work well with our mindset because it can build in that comparison or the need to feel like you're doing something even when you're not able to. So I think it is like important to stress that you don't have to be on those things. You don't have to see what everybody else is doing. And even through like my latest injury I said to myself like I wanted to really put a lot of my injury stuff on Instagram because I did want to show that you know 
people do have injuries because sometimes, you know, you di- everyone disappears off the face of the earth when they're injured and you sort of think, oh, well, everyone's only in peak condition all the time, which is just not the case. But I did have to use it in a different light to post stuff to, you know, show other people that there's this is what I'm going through. Maybe if you're going through the same thing, you can relate. But I did have to back off from seeing what other people were doing mm-hmm. because otherwise it then led me into that being like, I hate being injured. I want to be back running as soon as I can when actually I had got a bit of to the point where I had accepted, you know, I'm on my journey. I'm going to take it slow and come back when I'm ready. But it is as soon as that comparison feeds in, you do sort of self-destruct a little bit at times. I was going to say, like when you get that injury diagnosis, it can be really overwhelming and kind of upsetting about what the future is going to hold, how long that rehab process is going to be. And what would you suggest are the best things to do when you first get diagnosed with an injury, both physically and mentally to help you through it? Yeah, so reiterating what we just said there, the first thing I tell people is to get off um, training apps because... I'm a firm believer that comparison is a thief of joy. Like yeah, it's not going to make you any happier. So get off the training apps, even if it's just temporarily. And actually what you were saying there, Hannah, about um, you documenting your injury on Instagram, you don't have to come off Instagram, but just surround yourself by people who are giving you positivity. Like you were really yeah. good at just giving a candid documentation of your injury and how you were getting on how it was making you feel mentally and physically but like how you're also progressing through that and that's what people want to see because quite often when you're injured people just tell you everything that you can't do and it is honestly just soul destroying very firm believer in think about what you can do not what you can't do because there's always stuff that you can do yes you may not be able to run if that's your sport but you can potentially still cross train you can swim you can bike you can get on the elliptical like there's always other things that you can do um but I also think use it as an opportunity to build a new foundation and come back better and stronger because my personal and professional experience is that people do come back better and stronger from injury so a lot of people they skimp out on the the strength and conditioning because it's the easiest thing to kind of put to the side when you're coming back from an injury it's a really good opportunity to build that foundation start doing that regularly and then you can fit the rest of your training around that um but I think yeah surround yourself by positive people um stop comparing yourself to what other people are doing and control the controllables because there's no point in worrying about the rest of it you kind of just need to accept that yes I may not be doing all of my high intensity training but there's still lots of other things that you can be doing and focus on that in that moment and would you say as well during that time the focus needs to be so much on you know like the cross training I know we've talked about SNC be really really important but actually the recovery side of it as well like maybe backing off training a bit or focusing more on sleep and nutrition during that time than when you are um, not injured yeah you 100% have to accept that your body is trying to heal and it needs time and it needs energy to do that and I do think that that is what people often struggle to get their head around people are often quite worried when they're injured that they're not training as much or at such a high intensity and they're going to put on weight and all of these kind of things and maybe you do put on a little bit of weight but it's going to come off fairly quickly when you start training again anyway and actually that that extra energy is going to help you heal particularly if you've had things like a bone stress injury like your body has been at some level of deficit which is why that injury has come on so you need that extra energy and that time and that sleep to just just allow your body to recover and allow that kind of stress to decompress and I remember getting quite a few questions from people who would say you know you are injured at the moment so have you reduced what you're eating and hand on heart that was never the case I either ate the same as I do now I'm in full training or even more sometimes just because you know you didn't have to think of like oh I've got to run in an hour so I don't Mm -hmm. want to have that right now and I think that is where there's so much value in knowing you're not necessarily expending the same energy through exercise but your body needs so much fuel to repair and I always would tell myself when I'm injured like the more fuel I can give my body now the more that can then build into strength when I'm coming back from an injury. So there is always a positive spin to put on whatever you're, whatever you're worrying about. Just remind yourself that's going to have such a benefit then when you are able to come back. Yeah, 100%. So sort of looking at when you have found out you're injured and you're now, you know, the physio is giving you the green light that you can 
get not get back to running yet, but you can do this training. You've not had to stop everything. What are sort of the first steps in terms of rehab um, after injury and rebuild, rebuilding strength? How do you guide people through that? Yeah, so I think so as physios very much our assessment with you. So we'll take a detailed um, medical history about just what's gone on and what the injury is. Um, but we'll also do a physical assessment so that we can identify where the weaknesses are and potentially what's the cause of the problem. And then we'll devise your rehab program based on that. Um, so initially, for most people, the first step in recovery is doing some sort of strength and conditioning, whether that's in the gym, whether that's at home, body weight resistance bands, but some sort of strength and conditioning program that's going to target those areas of weaknesses and get to kind of the source of the problem. Um, and in doing that, I think education is key. I think it's really, really important that you know, A, what your injury is, but B, why did that injury come on? And that might be multifactorial. There might be loads, you might have to unlayer um, that slightly, but knowledge is power. So if you know what it is and why it came on, then you're in a good position to rehab it, but you're in a really good position to stop that injury from coming back again in the future. I think that's so important because sometimes I think you can get the advice of, you know, how can we solve the problem now, but actually not looking at how it came about and prevent things from happening in the future. It's kind of reactive rather than preventative and yeah. how important that that is, that you know exactly why that injury has happened, how you can, you know, make it better, but avoid that happening again in the future. Because I think that again is another massive worry for people is that what if this comes back again what if this causes something else am I weak anywhere else and kind of how important that is and maybe assessing like different areas so you know your weaknesses and what to work on to prevent that happening in the future and give you so much confidence in yourself and and having a better understanding of how our bodies work I think that's so important not just for an athlete but for anybody getting into sport and exercise to understand how our bodies work and how we can make them stronger and um, what would you suggest in terms of prevention of injuries returning um, and things as well? Like we talked about um, phantom pains too, because I know that yeah. can be a real, a real struggle for people returning from injury. Is, that, is this a pain or is it not there? And yeah, worrying about things returning. Yeah, phantom pain is such a difficult one, isn't it? Because anyone who's had an injury, I think, can sympathise with phantom pain and the paranoia that it causes you, especially if you've had a period of time of not being able to train, like particularly when you come back from a stress fracture. Most of my athletes who've come back from a stress fracture experience phantom pain. So that's basically just extra sensitization around that area because you've been fixed and focused on that for such a long period of time. Um and I think phantom pain, part of it is you need to rationalize it in your head. When you're coming back to training, really monitor your training load. So what's your volume like? What's your intensity like? If that's all increasing incrementally at quite a nicer rate, then you're less likely to get injured. So probably more is likely to be phantom pain. Whereas if you've had a sudden jump in your volume or sudden jump in your intensity, um, or you've actually gone into the gym and just smashed out loads of really heavy sessions, then that's more likely to be a bit of a niggle um, and something that you might need to then tap back in with your physio and just discuss it and figure out what's going on there. Yeah, and it is sort of important to accept that like, it can sometimes be in your head like it is okay that the pain might not be there because I remember when I had a first had my first fracture stress fracture sorry about five years ago prior to getting the diagnosis I was in a, a lot of pain obviously I ran through it for months and I went to see a physio who told me the pain didn't exist like it was just in my head and I remember this went on for months and months and months and I was telling them you don't understand like I'm finishing runs crying there is the pain there and eventually the diagnosis came out and I was I did have two stress fractures and it was bad um but then on the return to running after everything had healed I remember calling the physio up being like I've done it again I've got a stress fracture again. Like I went for my run and something didn't feel right. And he said, no, no, Hannah, like, honestly, everything is fine. Like this is just in your head. And I remember saying to him, like, how dare you say that? I know when it is in my head and when it's not. And he said, no, no, genuinely, like, I'm not telling you you're crazy, but I am saying this is like a phantom pain. And he was so right. Like it genuinely wasn't an actual pain that was there. Like it was such a different thing. And I think we are like through injury you focus on that injury site so much like every second of every day you're thinking about it like can I feel it is it there what's like so your 
um, that ties from like your brain to the area is so, so strong. So you are going to have times where you're thinking like, actually, I think I am feeling something, but it is okay to actually not be feeling something. Like you just need to sort of trust that if you have brought it back slowly enough um, and you are taking care that, you know, you're not going to have done the same thing. And I think how how do you try and guide athletes back or runners like anybody back from an injury like slowly enough how do you make sure you hold them back and they don't do too much too soon yeah and I think that is the hardest bit is holding athletes back because people always want to train and people always want to push the limit um and I think that's the key part of the education is it will feel too easy but that's the point because if it feels too easy, you feel confident to do more. And we know that we're not risking flaring you up. Whereas if we push the limits, then we're potentially going to cause a flare up and you're going to go back a step. Um, and ultimately, you see this kind of, we call it a boom and bust cycle. So people overload, uh, their symptoms will flare up, then they'll need a period of time to offload, to let it settle. People get a bit frustrated they've not run or trained for a few days and they'll overload it. They keep going up and down. And actually you see that their activity levels plateau off because they're in that constant kind of flare up cycle. Whereas actually the people who do too little, they build up way quicker because you're actually accepting and tolerating, absorbing that load much, much better. So you get back to your full training, your full volume much quicker. I think that's so important for people to hear because I know like from my past experience and I know a lot of people will resonate with when you've had some time off, all you want to do is is get back to it and then you want to get back to it as quick as you can and do more. And then, like you say, you see other people doing those sessions, doing that run that you were doing and you just want to get back to it. And then that's, yeah, when you don't fully recover. So hearing that, I think so valuable for people that actually that's going to speed up your recovery and get you back to that full training if you're taking it easy and, and slower. Um, in terms of, you know, worrying about that phantom pain or pain still being there, do you have any tips and advice for people, maybe kind of like as a distraction or something else to focus on as you're returning to it? Because I know, obviously, when you're returning to something, your physio is saying to you, you know, you can only do this if you're not feeling pain or it feels a two out of 10. So that's obviously the first thing you're thinking about. So the minute you take those first few steps running or whatever it is you're doing, you're You're thinking, can I feel pain? (laughs) Is it there? Um, Yeah. Do you have any advice to kind of avoid that? So your focus isn't just on that pain? Yeah. That's when I think actually going out and training with other people, regardless of whether or not you normally do that and enjoy it. I think when you're coming back from an injury, um go and train with other people because if you're going for a bike ride or a cycle or a run whatever it is and you're talking to someone else you're going to be distracted um so you're going to be less focused on it one of the things that I sometimes do when I come back from a niggle is I'll just listen to a podcast or listen to some music when I'm running because it will just distract my brain um and then I'll come back and I'll be like oh I managed I don't know 45 minutes and I didn't notice it and then that gives you the confidence that actually you can go out and do that and not have to think and ruminate on it quite so much yeah because as soon as you have that confidence you're fine it's just that initial you're obviously worried about it and I think that's really good advice um I know I've had that before running with other people it it completely distracts you from what you're doing and you're not thinking about the pain at all yeah exactly so if we go away from like the injury having been there what can we do to ensure that injuries don't arise like I know we've mentioned the S&C and things but what other things can we do potentially like reducing our load so we're not doing just one sport too much or seeing the physio more regularly? Like what things would you say people can add to just minimize that risk? Yeah, so I think, so from a personal point of view, that's how I got into doing multi-sports. So doing a bit of duathlon, triathlon is there's so much to be said for cross-training. And I know it's not for everyone. And some people kind of just, I don't know, they want to be a runner and that's all they want to do. But if actually you look at the majority of people who are high up in their sport, they do some level of cross-training to offload. And there is so much to be said for that, for maintaining some aerobic fitness um, and just stopping those injuries from coming on in the first place. You actually see very few triathletes with injuries. And it's because they're not doing the same stimulus every day. They're just keeping it really, really varied. So I think mix it up, do a little bit of cross training. If you are a runner, very big fan of the 80-20 rule. 
do the majority of your work at sort of an easy intensity and only 20% of it at that higher intensity because ultimately it is the intensity that's more likely to bring on the issues rather than the volume those easy runs tend to tend to be your safer runs it's the high intensity training session that's going to cause more of the issues but I think then going back to those fundamentals that we were talking about before if if you work shifts and you're doing a load of night shifts don't come home and go for a run just take that as a really easy week or deload week from your training and kind of respect the other things that your body's having to do during that week um training isn't the only stimulus that's going to put stress on your body so kind of really tap into that and be your own expert in that respect absolutely um in terms of things like stretching and drills and mobility mm-hmm. what kind of emphasis would you put on that like in terms of their importance there's varying evidence for it so I'm not I'm not a fan of static stretching there's very poor evidence for it I think we all come from that generation of you're in PE yeah. and you stand there doing a quad stretch for 20 seconds yeah. <laughs> um there's there's very there's very little evidence for that I'm a huge fan of dynamic mobility exercises um so typically before I go out for a run um I'll do a couple of squats some lunges some heel raises just anything that's moving me um and priming my muscles and then potentially doing a couple of drills before I go out for a run and you don't have to spend long doing it it might just be five ten minutes doing it but that's going to be far more beneficial than doing some static stretches because at the end of the day your body's about to do something that's really dynamic so you need to prime it to be able to do that um and again if you feel tight after a run I have no issues with kind of doing a little bit of stretching a bit of foam rolling um, or even just getting the massage gun out and using that there's it's more anecdotal evidence than it is scientific evidence for that but there's no harm in doing it so yeah kind of more than happy for people to do that afterwards if they need to yeah just where you can rather than being obsessive with it that you've got to do it every day and this amount but actually where you can fit it in it can be beneficial but I think that's really interesting to hear that before a run or exercise that you're doing just a few dynamic stretches and mobility things can really help you um because I know I really try and include that now where I wasn't before and it actually makes such a difference so oh yeah you feel so much better when you're out training if you've just even done five minutes of some mobility work definitely as I'm getting older as well (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and I mean it's when you like reflect it is so obvious because there'll be times you just walk out the door and go for a run and you're like oh everything's a bit tight a bit sore and then you think about it well obviously if you've literally gone from doing nothing to then running it's you know inevitable that it's not going to be very smooth and flowy but yet so many people do just walk out the door and go and do it so I think Mm -hmm. it's important to emphasize to anybody listening whatever you're doing just a little warm-up it's just a few minutes that's what I have to say to myself I'm like Katie it's just a couple of minutes you're about to go and run for an hour you can do (laughs) like you've got that time and also just fit it into what you're already doing if you're standing boiling kettle making a cup of tea do some heel raises if you're brushing your teeth do some squats like it doesn't actually need to take out extra time in your day um just do it as you're walking around the house getting ready to go out for that session yeah yeah that's that's really helpful thank you Um, On our podcast, we've one of our earlier episodes in season one, we spoke with um, Georgie Broomvales and we discussed like menstruation and, you know, the way it affects people's training, but also just the way it um, varies throughout um, the month. Have you as a physio seen any correlation between female injuries and different stages of the menstrual cycle? So if I'm being honest, it's one of those things I don't talk to my patients in the NHS about all that often. For some reason, in private practice, people seem a lot more comfortable talking about that. Whereas in the NHS, I rarely kind of have that conversation. With my private patients, what I'd say, and there is some evidence to back this up, but in that kind of mid-stage of your cycle, that's where, just before you ovulate, that's where you're more likely to get those tendon injuries. So if you've had any issues with like your Achilles or knee tendons in the past, it's in that mid part of your cycle where you might notice they start to flare up a little bit. And that's just due to the fluctuations in your hormones as you're going through that middle portion of your cycle. Really interestingly, in women's football, they've actually started doing quite a lot of um, research on ACL injuries of your knee. Mm-hmm. And apparently women are far more likely to get ACL ruptures when they're through the middle portion of their cycle. Okay. Um, and again, it's just due to that 
that crossover of your hormone levels during that part of your cycle um, and it doesn't mean that you can't train or you shouldn't train during that that time it's just being more aware that yeah, if you've had an ACL issue or if you've had tendon issues in the past maybe that's when you have your deload week um, and then you do your higher intensity stuff around that yeah um, I think that's so important as women because if we're all focusing on you know how much sleep we're getting our nutrition how our training load is that actually that is something we need to be taking into account and being a little bit more aware of and cautious of like you say it's not saying you can't train you can't race whatever you're doing it's just being aware of your cycle and how things are to avoid those injury risks yeah and I think it also really goes to show like something we've really try and emphasize on this podcast is opening up about you know your periods and how it affects yeah. you and we've you know, a lot of the guests we do speak to, we are really, you know, eager to get them to open up about this. And I think it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, a lot of your patients don't open up about this. And I do think it is something people should do more because then, yeah. you know, like yourself as a physio, you would be able to see, okay, I can see maybe this started to flare up at this time. And maybe we can like link these together and just be more aware of that next month or going on um so I think it is just really helpful for people to try and be more confident talking about it because you know it happens to us all yeah, yeah. It's something I talked to my physio about so I had a few tendon issues like and we just noticed a pattern um and so we I talk about it with him all the time now just to make sure that I'm keeping on top of things and I'm not allowing anything else to to happen so yeah. it's definitely really really important and I think that's nice that you feel comfortable to talk to a male physio about that and I do think yeah. that physios we're very open people um and there's not really much that phases us so we're always happy and welcome to have that conversation a really really good resource I recommend is you have you heard of Dr Stacey Sims yeah um so she's actually got a, an app that you can use where okay. you can um say what training you're doing at one part of your cycle and it will give you advice on um how to manage your training depending on what part of your menstrual cycle you're through um and it'll give you nutritional advice depending on which part of your cycle you're in as well so if you're one of those people that find it difficult to track it or just need some level of accountability to track it have a look at uh, Dr. Uh, Stacey Sims app because it's really really useful that sounds really useful. I've just written it down so I oh, can yeah, have a look to that. That sounds great. Um, have you noticed any variations between kind of male and female injuries? So with women, and again, I see this a little bit more in my NHS clients than private, but I see a lot more hip pathologies in women. Um, and I think that's just due to our genetic makeup. Yeah. Um, but especially women as they're going through the menopause, as your estrogen levels drop, you've got loads of estrogen receptors around your hips. So that's where you're more likely to start getting tendinopathies around your hip. And they can be quite difficult to manage. And they're something that you kind of need to manage long term. Really surprisingly in private practice, I've actually noticed that I've got a lot more male athletes with bone stress injuries than I do have female really? athletes. Yeah, which is really interesting because I think quite often you associate bone stress injuries with female athletes yeah. who've maybe got um, like relative energy deficiency or have had a history of eating disorders and therefore more prone to it. But I would say... 60 if not 70 percent of my stress fractures are in men and they've all actually been really really open about saying that they've had issues with um red s as well oh really um yeah. but i think yeah i think you're starting to see that trend a lot more that you see mm -hmm. a lot more men with bone stress injuries now it's really interesting I think that's really interesting as well coming from the physio side because obviously you know what we see we only see the athletes who post on social media or you know we don't see them around in the circuit so you know okay they've got an injury or whatnot but um to actually hear because obviously everyone you see well a lot a majority of the people you see are injured so you, you know, get it firsthand of those men who do have the stress injuries who may not tell other people that this is you know what's happened yeah. or this is what they've got so it is really interesting to hear that there are you know as many if not more men going like getting those sorts of injuries and it's perfectly okay to be injured whoever you are like it happens to everybody yeah 100 percent. yeah thank you yeah so I think we've sort of covered through a lot of the things that we wanted to talk to you about and draw upon um is there anything else like as yourself from a physio standpoint that you would like to say to our listeners about injuries or anything related yeah I think just don't see an injury as a sign of weakness I think that's the other reason that a lot of people ex struggle to accept an injury is because we kind of all think we're invincible and we like to think that we're adapting to the load that we're putting through there but I mean 
any athlete is going to get injured at some point it's it's impossible not to get that and that might be a niggle that takes you out for a short period of time or might be a stress fracture that takes you out for several months but as physios we're really open um and I think just don't be afraid to come to a physio because you think that we're going to tell you to stop training there's very very few injuries that we're going to tell you you need to stop doing anything probably stress fracture is one of the ones where you have to offload the most but yeah just don't be afraid to come and see us because you'll get back to training way way quicker and I can 100% guarantee you will come back a better athlete as a result of it. Thank you so much that I've come away from this conversation feeling like empowered <laughs> um, in terms of like injury because I know it's something that throughout my running career I feared um, especially having long-term injuries it's really like I found difficult to come back from but actually having this conversation it does make you feel empowered and know that it's going to be okay and actually going to the physio is the best option and that actually you're there to help and support athletes or individuals in sport to come back even stronger so I think it's such an important conversation and I think it's going to give people a lot of confidence. And also to just know, like on your note of saying that it's not often they will tell you to stop. Also, if the physio is telling you to stop running, they've only got your best interest at heart. They're not going to say, please do no exercise unless really you do need to stop doing everything. So I think it's just by doing things as well like this, coming on this podcast, people can see that actually physios are very personable, approachable people. And you're not out there to like shatter everyone's trust shatter their dreams of not being able to exercise like you're there to help and assist people to become yeah stronger better versions of themselves yeah and we've all been through it as physios we're not invincible we've all been through injuries ourselves so we can really sympathize and get on board with how you're feeling about it so if anything we're going to try and get you back as quickly as we can because we know how it feels to be on the other side of it yeah and I think with your practice as well opening up a private practice and knowing people knowing that actually no question is a silly question and anytime you are there for them to talk to so they're not going to have to worry and catastrophize something is great yeah exactly and we end our podcast with two truths so we ask you two questions and you choose one that you have to um answer truthfully I mean they're nothing to worry about don't know (laughs) no dark secrets coming out here (laughs) they're not scary Um, So our two questions today for you to choose from. Number one, if you could spend the day in the life of someone else or anybody, who would it be? A bit like Freaky Friday. Um, Or if you could never be injured again or be a millionaire, which would you choose? Um, I'll go for the first one. So who would I? Um, I'd love to spend the day in the life of Mo Farah. I know that's really cliche, but... He just seems like such a happy man. And he seems like he's just got an amazing relationship with his kids. And just, I don't know. I just love to see what he gets up on to a day-to-day basis and what makes him so happy and what really makes him tick. Yeah, I know. I think that'd be a really interesting day in the life. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Rose. It's been such a valuable conversation, both for myself and Hannah and our listeners. So thank thank you you so much for coming on the podcast. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 